Happy Father's Day. We're so glad that you're here. We uh, started a new series last weekend, and uh, it's called Follow. And the whole idea behind this series is that uh, we've been kind of thinking that if there was a way for us to just kind of do a hard reset and just go back to the gospel message, go back to the, what the gospel writers wrote about Jesus' time here on earth, kind of wiping out kind of the rest of the things that have become our standard understandings of what it means to follow Jesus, and just look at what Jesus said. Just look at what Jesus said and how he interacted with people, and then kind of try and think about how what Jesus said would apply to our lives, and do church that way, not the way some, uh, or do a relationship with God that way, not some way that church taught us how to do it. So we're going we're gonna to do our best to just kind of rewind today and go back to some of these stories and, and not look at what someone else said, not what a church said, but what did Jesus say it looks like to be in relationship with him. If you missed last week, let me try and catch you up real quick. Uh, we, we learned some truths about Jesus' invitation to follow because it was a very simple invitation. And uh, some truths about <clears throat> his, his call to us, his invitation to follow. The first one is this, and this should be relieving to all of us. I know it is for me that being a sinner does not disqualify you. It's actually a prerequisite. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And we have to remember that uh, that everybody that Jesus called to follow him uh, was a sinner, just like I am and, and just like you are. <clears throat> this is another good one. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. As a matter of fact, none of Jesus' earliest followers believed, did they? Not until the very end. <clears throat> Excuse me, that was powerful for them to see Jesus come out of the tomb, right? It's a big deal. But once you've seen that, it's a whole lot easier to believe. We also learned last week that the changes that Christ wants for you happen in relationship, in the context of relationship, and that's why he's invited us to follow. You see, the big difference here is that religion says to me and says to you, change and then you can join us, which is a very different message from what Jesus communicated, which was this, join us and you will change. Join us and you will change. You see, the Christian life is a life of following Christ. Now I need to stop for just a second and I need to talk to you about our new TV up here and let me tell you why because you're all like what is going on? <clears throat> we have over a hundred people watching uh, some, uh, on a regular basis watching our messages online and this is a way for us to bring the points into the visual camera so that they can see what you see that's on the screens. Does that make sense? And so this is a simple way to do that and then uh, what I really like and it's taken me a little while to get used to it. We've had them for a while so I've been trying to practice on this is that I can interact with the verses a little bit. So we'll get a chance to do that here in just a minute. You see, the issue is not what you know. It's not how long have you been a Christian or how often you attend church or even how you behave. The real question that we need to ask ourselves, that I need to, that you need to, is are you following Jesus? Are you following him? It's a simple call in our lives. Am I right now actively today following Jesus? And today I want to dig into another story from the life of of Jesus, a story that I believe illustrates better than virtually any other one that I've read uh, about what it means to move into this idea of following. Now, I've told you before that there are many times when I'm reading scripture, and I'm sure that is the same for you too, that when you hear the stories, when you read the stories, you just think to yourself, there's got to be some more details. Like there are some things left out there that, that I really would like to have kind of more information about. Have you ever read any of those stories? I want to read one of those stories to you today from Matthew chapter 4. If you have 
your Bibles, you can turn there. This is one of these stories that, that if, after you've heard it, you will understand. You really wish that you had some more details because it's just, just not enough there, but it's pretty incredible what takes place. In Matthew chapter 4, you can be following along on your smartphone or on our new cool TV here. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Let's look at this to get together. <clears throat> one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water. And why would they do that? This is as much detail as we get from Matthew, which is pretty, pretty crazy, for they fished for a living. Why else would you be throwing a net in the water, right? Matthew, thank you for the detail. We probably could have figured that out. <clears throat> and then watch, watch how few details we get here in Matthew's account of what takes place here. Look at verse 19. In verse 19, Jesus called out to them, and he says this. This is our series. Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. That blows my mind, right? Like, there's got to be something left out of this story that helped these guys move from fishing for fish to being called to follow Jesus to fish for people. Like, what does that even mean? And they just, at once, they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Now, I, I listen to that story, <clears throat> I read that story, and I think that just seems a bit unrealistic to me. It seems like maybe just even a little bit irresponsible. See you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Have fun with the nets. We're out. I think my kids would have liked an opportunity like that on some of the occasions when we're pulling weeds and doing some yard work, right? Stories like this leave us thinking, you know, I can't become a follower of Jesus. There's just no way I need to get some more info. I can't make that big of a commitment just like that, like these guys did. They must be like faith superheroes, right? Maybe, maybe I'll follow Jesus when, I, when I'm a little bit older and there's, there's not really a reason to care anymore. Or when I have nothing to lose, there has to be more to this story. You're not sure how you'll ever be there. You don't even want to put your toe in the Jesus water if it's like this crazy, right? You wrongly but understandably assume when we read these characters and these people in these stories with Jesus that they were just really faith superheroes, and I've got some good news for you. You see, it didn't happen just quite that simply. And it's not just because I'm going to make up a story today, because in Luke, he tells us the rest of the story. Matthew presented it in a pretty simple way. You see, there's more to the story, and what I have learned, and if you'll take time to listen to other people talk, there's more to everybody's story, isn't there? More to the story. So Luke, is, he's writing, he's a, he's a scholar, and he's writing to non-religious audience, and he's going to fill us in to some of the other details. Now on your smartphones or in your Bible, you can turn to Luke, or Luke chapter 5 for the rest of the story, and let's take a look at this together because it's awesome. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. We've seen this type of, God bless you, we've seen these types of things before, where Jesus is teaching and a big crowd is gathering. By the way, can I stop for a second? I have a core conviction that when people sneeze, you need to say, God bless you. Because, no, and here's why. Because we've gotten to the place in our culture where we just say, bless you. 
So I double dog challenge you this week that when you hear somebody sneeze, you say, God bless you. Okay? Side note. <clears throat> We've seen stories like this before. Thank you, Billy. I'll give you your 20 bucks later, right? I think that'll be awesome. <clears throat> All right. So Jesus is teaching. People are following him. There's great crowds. They're pressing in on him to listen to him teach the word of God. And this is an important point that each of us need to be aware of. This is typically how this all begins, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, um, we're, we're told later in Romans chapter 10, so faith comes from, and what's the word there? Hearing. Faith comes from hearing. Now we're starting to get some more details that Matthew left out that were, that were happening in this story when Jesus called these guys to follow them. That is, hearing the good news about Christ is what helps you to have confidence. Faith comes by hearing, and that's one of the reasons why I love to do what I do. I love to share stories of the scriptures. I love to share stories of what God is doing and has done in people's lives. And following does not begin with believing. We talked about that last week. It, it starts with following. It's about, it's about learning. It's, it's about understanding more about what God has said and God has done. Now, let's just continue. Now, he's teaching. And, and before we get there, I need you to think about how God, has, you do believe he's sovereign, right? He's got this whole thing figured out. He knows exactly what he's doing, and you can't miss these details. He's teaching, and I think he was strategically teaching exactly where Peter was on purpose. And I believe that he asked to be part of Peter's boat on purpose. Watch how this unfolds. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Why do they wash their nets? They're done fishing. They're getting the beer cans and the... You know, the old flip-flops and, you know, the lounge chairs and the sunglasses out of their nets from fishing that day. So now look what happens. He sees these two boats, and stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asks Simon, that's Peter, right? It's owner. So, so Peter owned this boat. Look, God's got this stuff figured out. He knows what's going on, and he knows what needs to happen in Peter's life, and he knows that he needs this guy to follow him, just like he knows that you and I need to follow him, and he knows how to make these things work in our lives. And so he talks to Simon, its owner, and he says, will you, will you push it out into the water with me? So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now, I think this was very strategic. He did this on purpose. He asks Peter to borrow Peter's boat. Peter's now taking care of the nets while he's sitting in the boat. And what is Jesus doing? He's teaching. Why would he be teaching from the boat? Have you ever been on the water before? In that kind of a, kind of a situation, his voice would be able to carry to the crowds a little bit easier because, you know, they forgot their PA system that week. So he asks Simon to borrow his boat. And then now we're starting to see this picture and things are starting to make sense more than it did in Matthew. Look at verse 4. And so and now we get to the point where Jesus has finished speaking and he says something to Simon. Now when you've read Matthew's account, you think, I'll bet you you think you know what's coming next, don't you? You probably do. What's he going to say? What do you think, what do you think he's going to say? Follow me. You're wrong. You're wrong. Watch what he says here. He says to Simon, now, now go out to where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. That is crazy. But Jesus knows what he's doing. And he knows who he's doing this with. Basically, at this point, it, it, he's asking Peter to take a little baby step. Instead of you drop the nets, abandon your family, peace out, Dad, I'm following this guy now. Instead of that, he invites him to do something 
familiar, something they were familiar with, but do it in a little different way. Do it in Jesus' way. Our main thought for this weekend is this, that we just need to take the next step. And you may want to follow along in your, in your journey guide and take a couple of notes today as we, as we move forward. Just take the next step. You see, this seems fairly simple enough. Can we keep this real today and, and try and think about how this must have felt uh, if you were Peter the fisherman? Any of you like to fish? Any of you consider yourself good fishermen? Yeah, a couple of you. Yeah, this will be good. So, when you're a fisherman, you have to understand that you don't want to be told how to fish by a carpenter turned rabbi, right? That's not the way you want to, you want to be taught. You know, you'd probably think Peter would be thinking things like this. Dude, you, 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 you speak good. It's a really great message. I, I, I like that. It's been really great, but maybe you should kind of back down on the fishing tips here, right? Maybe you didn't hear. Look at this next verse. This is really great. In verse 5, he says, uh, Master, I, th- I think it's really great that he's calling him Master here. He says, Master, Simon replied. Look what he did. He said, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Whoa, the plot thickens here. And if you know a fisherman or you are a fisherman, now you're starting to get some pieces of this story that Matthew left out for sure, but Jesus totally had handled. Remember, there's a crowd there. What's the worst thing for a good fisherman to have if he is empty-handed when he comes to shore? A crowd. Because every single time when you're fishing and someone walks by you, and they, they, they want to know what's going on, right? So what are they going to ask? Did you catch anything? Or they're going to say, what would you catch it on? Right? That's what they say. Did you catch anything? And so if you're Peter and his buddies, who are really commercial fishermen, uh, they come in from a very long evening. Now, why would they have been fishing at night? This is a deep uh, a lake. And so in, in the evenings, the fish would come to the top to eat. And during the day, they would go to cooler water. And so if you're fishing with a net, you have to fish at night. And so now what Jesus is doing, he's asking them, see what Peter just said, man, we've been fishing all night, uh, rabbi, teacher, carpenter, guy. Okay. And it's been a rough day. Thanks for rubbing it in a little bit. We didn't catch any fish. It's been a long night. And now you're asking me to do something that you have no idea about. Uh, In front of all of these people, no pressure. Everybody knows Jesus has got this reputation. It's likely that they may have heard him before. They've heard of his reputation. They've heard of miracles. They've heard of things that he's said. And so now all this crowd is gathered around. And if you're the guy in the boat that Jesus just borrowed and all of those people are still kind of hanging around and milling around and maybe talking about Jesus' message that given day. Uh, Jesus says to this fisherman guy, and his voice would still carry, hey, let's go fishing. Jesus, bad idea. But I feel a lot of pressure right now because this whole crowd, this whole crowd is, is watching. And you see, this, this could be publicly silly for a good fisherman. But this is getting at something that you and I need to think about because God is calling each of us to follow him and it's in the following that we change. But part of the problem is inside of us, we have some pride, don't we? Some pride issues involved here. As a matter of fact, why don't you just raise your hand with me if you're a control freak? Oh, wow. It's impressive. It's impressive. I'm not really a control freak except for a couple of things. 
One of my things is floor mats. Floor mats. All I'm saying, if I walk into a building and the floor mats are not straight, I'm going to straighten them. And I don't know why. It's like this one little OCD area of my life, floor mats. But we all have these little areas where we're control freaks. And I'm sure Peter had a little bit of, of that in him, especially when you read the stories later of his kind of impulsive, kind of just put himself out there personality. But how do I say no to this, this teacher, this guy who has this reputation? Ah, what can it hurt, right? Except that we've just spent all of this time mending these nets. Because mending nets is what fishermen do when they're done fishing. So look what he says here in, in the next part of this verse. We didn't even catch a thing, he says. But, he says, if you say so, Jesus, I'll let the nets down again. Let's push out to deeper water. And I'll bet you, knowing Peter, he's thinking, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. But what Jesus wanted for him and what Jesus wants for us is to just take the next step. Just take the next step. Jesus was asking for a baby step of faith. Will you trust me on this one small thing? Will you take a small risk in the process? Is it possible that you may see what you didn't understand more clearly, that there's more to me than you ever imagined? Okay, I'll do this, Jesus. Not because it makes sense, we say. Not because I necessarily even want to, but because you asked me to. I'm going to trust you with this small thing. It may cost me my reputation, but I've heard enough stories about you. I've listened to your teaching. I have respect for you. I know you do have some things figured out, and what Peter and his friends didn't know is what was actually hanging in the balance. If he had said no... He would have just been another statistic, wouldn't he? Just a nameless, forgotten, first-century fisherman whose life didn't count for much. You know, if I was Jesus, I would have gone about this asking in a completely different way. You know, Jesus, the Son of God, it wouldn't have been cool if he would have said something like this. You know, Peter, I need to help you to be able to see the future a little bit more clearly. I got some plans for you. As a matter of fact, let me just kind of clarify how this whole thing is going to wrap up. I have such big plans for you that I'm actually going to use your life and your ministry to begin the New Testament church. Now, I know you don't totally understand what that means, but let's fast forward all the way to the end. And let me just, let me just use this thing you don't know about called Google Maps. And I want to soar high enough above the planet that you can see something that will blow your mind. And what I want to show you here is this beautiful cathedral called St. Peter's Basilica. You see, this is the aerial view of the place where you're going to end up buried. Peter, you're kind of a big deal. Let me show you the entrance to one of the most beautiful cathedrals in the world. As a matter of fact, there were these Renaissance architecture guys and, and designers like a guy named Michelangelo that will have a hand in designing the cathedral that will be built over the spot where you are buried. This is such a big deal that it's going to take 118 years to build this church that's over your tomb. Look at the inside, Peter. That's awesome. There's pews in here. 
I know, trust me. It's a much more comfortable way to do church. And we're like, thank God for advancement. You see, you're going to be kind of a big deal, so let's just go fishing. Here's what I need to say to you today. Jesus calls all of us to follow him. And sometimes our pride holds us back. But here's what I think holds us back even more often than that. You don't realize how big a deal you are. You don't realize that the creator of the universe really does have a plan for your life. And they may never build a cathedral like this over my tomb and your tomb. Actually, let's just be honest, they never will. (laughs) But God does have a plan for your life. And for those of you that are here today that are feeling like, you know, there's no way that that could be true, I need you to know that in God's eyes, you're a big deal. You're a big deal. He loves you. He loves you so much that he would die for you. And he has a plan for your life. And the way that plan starts is by you and I just saying yes to following him. You got to see how this story unfolds. So as this uh, particular passage continues, in verse 6, it says, when they had done so, look at this, isn't this how Jesus works? They had caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to, to help them. What didn't make sense, doing something familiar to them, yet in a little different way, now they're beginning to understand in a much clearer way how incredible this Jesus really is. Now watch what happens. They came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. This This is the mother load of fish. This is a big deal. All of a sudden, they're beginning to see that it's not about fishing, is it? It's about this incredible man, Jesus, who somehow has control even over nature to be able to help them to catch the mother load of fish like they had never caught before. Now look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. When Peter saw this, he, and I just wanted to stop here for a second and ask you, like, what do you think he did here? Like, call for the refrigerated truck, right? <laughs> call home, tell him, we're going to make some money today, right? This Jesus dude is legit. He's for real. And listen, most importantly, we have fish. That's what a fisherman should say, right? But you see, Jesus knew what it was going to take to get to Peter's heart. Just like he knows what it will take to get to your heart. Watch how he responds here. So so when Peter saw this in a boat full of fish, he fell at Jesus' knees. And look what he says. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Now we need to pause here again for a second and just remind you of what we what we shared last week. Do you remember what we talked about? Sin never disqualifies you, does it? It's actually a prerequisite, but Peter didn't understand that, did he? Just like you and I don't understand that, and when we start to sense God's call in our life to follow him, one of the things is our pride, right? Our pride is gonna stop us. Sometimes we forget that in God's eyes, we're a big deal. 
And then we also get to this place where we think that because of the things that we've done, it will disqualify us from following this man, Jesus. And I need to tell you today, it doesn't matter what you've done. We saw that last week. If you missed it, hop online and watch it. It was incredible to see God's call in Matthew's life. You see, sin does not disqualify you or I, regardless of where you are. See, this could be for you today, and you're in the very beginning stages of exploring things of faith, but you're thinking, you know what? I've got to fix up, clean up, straighten up, stop doing whatever before I can take another step. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a number of years and there's been something that you've been battling in your life and it's holding you back from a place of really following Jesus the way he's calling you to. What you need to remember today is that sin doesn't disqualify you from following. It never has and it never will. But there's an enemy of your soul that wants to paralyze you from following any further. And so what he's going to do is finagle his way into your mind to help you either have pride issues, think you are no big deal, or think that somehow your sin is causing this relationship to be hindered. But really what we need to do is understand that God wants, God wants us to follow. He was worried about the same things that you and I do. It's not about fish anymore. You see, he'd been shoulder to shoulder with Jesus for hours, but suddenly now he's beginning to recognize that there's something entirely different about this Jesus. His simple act of faith to go out fishing again intersected with Jesus' faithfulness and something happened in Peter. Just like something happens in us when we take that step and follow as well. Something happens inside of us. Look at verse 9. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Everybody now is beginning to take notice of this incredible thing that has taken place. And again, Jesus is so strategic because he chose the time, the place, and the people for this to happen to just like he does in our lives. Now look what happens here. For as Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, because aren't we afraid of following too? Don't be afraid, he says to Simon. From now on, you're going to fish for people. At that point, they're like, okay, have no idea what you mean there, but I'm in. You've just touched my heart. You're for real. This Jesus guy is legit. I'm following. We'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything and they followed him. And you know what? I think you would have too. I think you would have too. If he had done something like that for you, perhaps when you take that baby step, you would have seen things differently. And what I want to challenge you today is that you do need to take a baby step. You need to take a step. Last week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I was speaking with a, with a group of uh, church planters. There's 25 different church plant uh, teams that were at this conference that I was speaking at, and I, and I was sharing with them at the very end while we were doing this kind of graduation kind of ceremony for those that had made it through and, and were uh, heading out to now uh, head on their journey to plant a church, that when I was a kid, there were times when there would be these missionaries that would come through church and they would always wear very weird outfits like the ones that they wear wherever they were ministering in some other foreign part of the world. Anybody remember those days? And they always had a table full of information and little pictures and, and like it, it always had a snakeskin. 
every time. Like, even if there were no snakes in the region, the kids had come to the table, right? If you have a snake skin on your table. And I don't like snakes, so it always creeped me out. But I can remember, I can remember sitting there as a little kid, listening to these missionaries, telling these stories, and just thinking, just thinking in my own heart, gosh, I, I hope someday I've got a story like that. God's amazing calling on their life to do something that was way bigger than them and to go and to take this step of faith and to believe and to trust and to see God provide and all of those kinds of, they're just like the stories that they could tell were just mesmerizing to me as a kid. And what I told these church planting teams was this, get ready, get ready. Because when you say yes to following Jesus, whether it's to go start a church or whether it's in one of the ways I'm going to talk about here in just a second, you begin to see the reality of a God that is alive. And that is what I pray for this church more than anything else. That you will know like Peter and his buddies did that this Jesus is legit. That you're a big deal to him. That he has a plan for you and you don't need to fix anything before you follow. You just need to follow. Because remember what we've been saying. It's in the following that God touches our hearts and we change. And there's something so entirely different about a change that's motivated from the inside out of a relationship rather than out of an obligation so that we can feel like we belong. Do you see? We've gotten this so turned around. This story reflects four stages of following. And I'm going to go through this very quickly. Dads, can you look at me for a second? There is nothing more important for you as a father to do than to understand what it means to really follow Jesus. Regardless of where you are in your journey of faith, you, you need to follow. Your kids need to see you following Jesus, taking steps, following Jesus, so that they can learn what it means to follow as well. And I see these four stages of following. The first one you can see is to just sit and learn. And some of you have been doing that. Maybe for some of you, this is your first opportunity to do that, and someone brought you today, and you're sitting and learning, and maybe you've been doing some reading, and you're exploring things of faith. Following always begins with information, questions being answered. It's okay to have questions, and maybe this is where you are right now. Just examine the evidence. Learn a little bit. Learn about this Jesus, and the only commitment he wants is for you to be present and to be committed to learning. Sit long enough to learn. The second phase of this stage of this following is this. Maybe it's time for you to loan him your boat. Maybe you know that he's already been speaking to you a little bit. He's been challenging you. You sense this kind of pull deep in your soul to take the next step. And Jesus is saying now, instead of just sitting there listening, what I want you to do is to just take one little baby step in following me. Just like he did with Matthew, he said, I'll come over to your house. And Matthew invited him to come. A small, perhaps inconvenient starting point. Maybe, like we said last week, you're just going to start by reading, reading the book of Matthew. Take a step. Maybe you're going to begin praying. Let him borrow your boat. Let him have a little bit of your life. Let him have your attention in this way. Or this third step. Maybe, maybe you know that it's time for you to go fishing. And you need to do something, something that's even familiar to you. Not something crazy, but something that's familiar to you, but maybe just do it in a little different way. Do it in Jesus' way. And what I have found is that 
Nine times out of ten, when it's time to go fishing, it's going to relate to your relationships. It's going to relate to something involved with your career or your profession. Or it's going to relate to something financially. Because that's where we like to be OCD and in control, right? In those areas. We like to think we have it figured out. But in each of those three areas, I can see so clearly throughout Scripture God's plan and how he communicates to us principles and truths. And I just want to double-dog dare some of you to go fishing with Jesus this week. Just do something that's familiar, but do it in his way. Give it a try. Give it a try so that you can see how real he is. Just take one step of faith to see if God doesn't come through because he will. Instead of doing things the way you normally do, let's just do it his way this week. Take a step. Go fishing with Jesus. And maybe for some of you, you've been kind of on this journey for a while and you know in your heart it's time it's time it's time to drop the nets and to go all in it's time to say yes to his plans for your life to stop trying to control it yourself but to really say you know what Lord I do truly give you my life You take what I do and who I am. You take my relationships and you take the resources I have and you direct my life. It's time to surrender. I'm yours. You see, the bottom line is this. We overcomplicate it too much. And if there was a way for us to do a hard reset on our souls and our minds and just go back to what Jesus said, to see the stories of how he invited people to be in relationship with him, we would learn that it's very simply just about following. So today, regardless of where you are in your faith journey, my challenge for you is to take the next step. Take the next step. And I've learned in my life that this is not just a decision that you make once, but it's a decision that you make every day. Last week, I challenged you to to seriously just pray that prayer, Lord, help me to follow you well i hope you did it and when you do he's going to take you some different directions than you might have chosen to go on your own but it's an incredible journey in following him when we follow him you see it's in the process of following that in this real relationship with him that he begins to speak to our hearts and that's when true change really starts starts to happen just like peter and andrew and james and john listen you do not know what hangs in the balance of your decision to follow. You are a big deal. He loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you. Stop making excuses. Make a decision today, regardless of where you are. If you've been following him for a short time or a long time or no time at all listen follow him will you bow your heads for just a moment father i thank you for these stories that we're reading in scripture i thank you for your interactions with people i thank you that luke filled in some details because <laughs> the way matthew told the story is a little hard for me to get my arms around but when i read luke's version of this story all of a sudden my eyes are opened in a new way and it gives me confidence to say yes to following you too 
I thank you for the process that you took Peter through, knowing that there would be a day when you were going to call on him to do some incredibly big things for you. And I know the same is true for each of us. And Lord, we need to learn to follow you. And it's in the day-to-day normal life that we say yes to following you. And each of those steps continues to define us and help us to be the men and women that, that ultimately you, you dreamed for us and planned for us to be before we were even here. Lord, I know there's lots of reasons why we would hold back from saying yes to following you. So Jesus, I pray right now in this moment that you will help us to to look at whatever excuse it is that has become our pet excuse that we use most often. Maybe we don't feel like we're a big deal or that our life could matter. Maybe we feel like sin is holding us back or perhaps it's our pride. Lord, this week will you help us to say yes to a next step of following you? If you're here today and you've never made a decision like we're talking about to begin this journey, remember, unbelief does not prevent you. All of Jesus' followers had unbelief. Sin doesn't prevent you from following. It's actually the prerequisite. And so if you're here today and you've never begun this journey before, just simply, I just want to challenge you to say yes to following him. He did so much for you so that you could be in relationship with him. And today, in this moment, would you just say yes to him? Say, Lord, I know I need you. I don't have you all figured out. I don't have all of my questions answered. But I say yes to following you. And I pray that you will help my heart to be open to what it looks like to to learn more about you and to understand your heart and your love for me. Help me to begin to understand how big of a deal I am to you. I know that I've fallen short of your perfect standard and I can't make that right on my own, so I thank you for what you did on the cross. I accept that as being done for me and I thank you most of all that you're still alive today and at work in me. So as I follow, help me to continue to understand how real you are. Lord, for each of us, help us to stop making excuses. Help us to be in an authentic relationship with you and just be committed to following. We love you, Father. It's in your name we pray together. Amen.